The message you are about to hear was preached at Gosum Africa 2019. Justification by grace through faith. Stay tuned. So we can overflow with purpose in mind. You say to us. Did you, did you understand that? Instead of him waiting for Sarah to, to give birth, and we're going to address that in a minute because that, that should help many of us. But read on, read on, read on. But he of the free Sarah is by promise. Do you see the difference? Free woman, promise, Sarah. Born woman, Hagar, flesh. Good. Read on. Which things are an allegory? Mm -hmm. Illustration. Yes. For these are the two covenants. Ah, two covenants. What are the two covenants? The one from the Mount Sinai. Good. What came out of Sinai? The law. So, you see, Paul is painstakingly going through all of this to explain to you what justification by grace through faith is all about. He told it to you in chapter 1 and 2. In chapter 3, he goes back and explains it through Abraham's, uh, what God told Abraham. Now he's telling us, listen, this same Abraham had two sons. Go ahead. Take it from 24 again. Yeah. Which things are an allegory, mm -hmm. for these are the two covenants. Mm -hmm. The one from the Mount Sinai, mm -hmm. which gendereth to bondage, mm -hmm. which is Hagar. Okay, so, so we know for sure that the law leads us to bondage. Mm -hmm. You know that now. Anytime I take things into my, into my own hands, use my own resources, my own effort, my own thinking, my own, um, own self-life, it's going to lead to bondage. Go ahead. For this Haggai is Mount Sinai mm -hmm. in Arabia, mm -hmm. and Azareth to Jerusalem, mm -hmm. which is now is, mm -hmm. and is in bondage yes. with her children. Mm -hmm. But Jerusalem, which is above, mm -hmm. is free, mm -hmm. which is the mother of us all. Yes. For it is written, Rejoice, thou barren, mm -hmm. thou bearest not. Mm -hmm. Break forth mm -hmm. and cry. Mm -hmm. Thou that Travelest not, for the desolate have many more children mm -hmm. than she which hath a husband. Yes. Now we, now we, brethren, as Isaac was, we are children of promise. But as then he, yep. even so, in the flesh, persecuted him that was born after the spirit. Yep. Even so, it is now. Nevertheless, was he of the scripture? Cast out the bound man and her son. For the son of the bound woman shall not be her with the son of the free woman. Amen. So then, brethren, we are not children of the bound woman, but of the free. But of the free. That's Amen. It. Yes. So sir. we are not children of the bound woman, but of the free. Yes, sir. So this is so so this this passage begins to Give us the seed of the next transition. Bondage to freedom. Okay? But in the meantime, let's adjust what he just said. Two covenants. Back in your notes, page 28. Abraham is our model. Both for gaining God's acceptance by believing and doing God's will. The story of Abraham, Sarah, and Hagar illustrates two covenants as we just read. Namely, the old and the new covenants. Hagar from Mount Sinai is flesh and gives birth to bondage, including all those who follow in her steps. 
Sarah from Jerusalem above is free and represents the promise and the spirit. Just as Ishmael, now this is key, this is huge. Just as Ishmael persecuted Isaac, so the flesh is contrary to the spirit to this day. Fleshly living cannot please God. Period, end of story. Now, so there are two ways of living. This is what Paul is trying to tell us. Two ways of living. I can live my Christian faith in the flesh, which means I make my own ways based on my own resources. Or I can live in the spirit, which means I trust God and rely solely on his resources. Are you, are you following this? Yes, sir. Now, let's break it down. The principle of active have to resort to, what does this mean? Why did Abraham have to resort to going into Hagar to begin with? This is where the rubber meets the road. Why did Abraham have to consider his wife's suggestion to sleep with Hagar? Do you know why? He looks at himself, his age, and he looks at his wife, her age, and he came to the conclusion, hear this, that his wife is a barrier to his promise coming to pass. I said to you, this is where the rubber meets the road. There are those of us in this room right now that look at your spouse and say, because of this man, I cannot attend to this place. Or because of this woman, I cannot be that. You are looking at your spouse as a hindrance to your destiny, rather as an helper. And why are you thinking so? You are thinking so based on what you can see. You are allowing your flesh to determine the limitations that God never placed upon your life. So you see your husband and say, ah, this guy is not driving a new car. He does not have a nice house. My children will never be successful because of where this man is. Or you look at your wife and say she does not pray three hours a day. She does not read the Bible ten chapters in one hour. She does not sing like Roderick and CYI. And you say because she's like that, God can never fulfill his will through you. And immediately you buy that message. Immediately. The husband or the wife buys any of that message regarding their spouse. You cannot see her the way God sees her. You'll be looking at that person, man or female, male or female, through the... Anything they do, you see limitation. Everything. Abraham saw Hagar, I mean, saw Sarah, 90-year-old woman. Ah. Mm. This madame is too old. Anatomy says she can never bear children. If God's plan, what he showed me in Genesis 15, to come to pass, it will not be this woman. Because all I see is limitation. Too old. Ovaries are done. No more eggs production. All the, do, do you see what I'm saying? What's the message for all of us? I've been saying it since yesterday. You must never look at your situation or the situation of those around you based on their present condition. 
the moment you do that, you are in the flesh. You must never define them by their present condition. The moment you do that, you are finished. The Bible says, let every man be a liar, but God be true. Which means, no matter what I see, in my wife, in my children, in the people around me, no matter what I see, I'm still a man. Let every man be a liar, but God be true. So I'm going to be willing to say, God, I'm going to accept your word. In my wife's life, my children's wife, my all the people around, I'm going to take your word, not what I see. And I'm going to take that, get, take a hold of it, and take it to the bank. No matter what I see, I'm taking hold of what God said concerning them. Yeah. Look at Abraham. God changed his name from the exalted one to the father of many nations. It was Abraham, which means the exalted father. And God changed his name to Abraham, which is the father of many nations. What does that mean? God changed his plan for him to line up with his identity. His identity. Oh my God. Let me leave that alone. His identity became lined up with God's plan. So every time Sarah said, Abraham, he said, father of many nations. She's confessing into being what God said. Because God is the only one that can make, what does the scripture say? Those things that, which be not as though they were. So the principle of active participation demands that I no longer see my wife, my co-workers, my ministry associates, my children as a barrier, but rather as an opportunity. So whatever is not right, no, we are not saying to ignore what's not right. No, that's not what I'm saying. Whatever may not be right, may, yeah, they are real, they are, not, they are not right. Just as Abraham was barren, just as Sarah was barren, just like Elizabeth was barren, just like Mary was a virgin, and yet God said, you're going to bring a child forth. So those things were real. The only difference is, you speak what God speaks to the situation. You see the challenge as an opportunity to bring to birth something that God is saying and doing. And when Abraham did that, what happened? Sarah gave birth. When his mindset changed, Whatever God needed to do with Sarah, it happened. So the principle of active participation means I have to see my situation as an opportunity rather than as a barrier. Now, this is not the issue of positive thinking. Nope. But the issue of trusting in God's promises. Now, oh, wow. Yes, I need, to, I need to touch this. Back on page 29. Under the principle of active dependence. This is good. This is good. This is good. This is, this is very practical now. I said that Abraham saw his wife as a barrier, right? That being so, opportunity for God to fulfill his word. Is that correct? That being so, what will be the practical, practical application of that? Okay, let, let me just go to, straight to it so we don't parabolate. He has to make love to her. The focus has to shift. And you guys, I know, I know you're young, but you're looking at me like I came out of the Stone Age. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever heard of love before? 
<laughs> I, I, I know, I know that. <laughs> it's, it's a, Abraham's thinking not only had to change, his action had to match his thinking. If Sarah is no longer a barrier, then she, he had to sleep with her. Because if he did not sleep with her, the child would not come. So the moment God got through to him, he stopped seeing her as a barrier. And he starts seeing her as a lover. That is huge. In your situation where you are now, what is the practical follow-up to the mindset that you must change? What is the practical follow-up? What is God demanding or asking of you to take place in your relationships? Whether your family, your ministry, your business, your career. You can't just have lip service to say, you know what? Well, I'm going to love my wife differently. What's going to be different? You have to be able to name it. What's going to be different about how you're going to love your children? You have to be able to name it. Or your colleagues, ministry workers, business partners. Are you guys hearing me? This is where the rubber meets the road. You can shout all you want, testify all you want about, oh, yeah, I embrace change. I embrace change. What is going to change? When you go home this afternoon, what will change in your life? What are the areas that the Holy Spirit is already highlighting that change is going to have to take place in? <laughs> it's quiet in here. You, you want to tell me? Oh, you are ready to tell me? Ah, my Baptist brother. Thank you. Yes. Uh, he has been giving me a problem. So I'm thinking that what can I do to take away this man from the church? So I decided that then I'll start a new church and then take him there so that I'll be free in the church. You transfer him to the new I'll church. To him. <laughs> but I think that this message is, you know, changing my mind in order to see him in a different way. Because I've been seeing him in the, in the, in the context that he's not helping me. You know, that doesn't help him at all. So I decided to take him off. But we thank God that this afternoon, this message has come. Praise God. My man has changed. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you so much for that. And I'm going to get you guys in a minute. But let me just help you to see what you just said, which is very powerful. I really do appreciate you for, for sharing this. You see, Abraham, when he saw Sarah as a barrier, did not understand that the problem was not Sarah, but himself. He had stopped seeing Sarah as a lover because of her age. And saw her as a barrier. This madam, this 90-year-old. Who's lost after a 90-year-old woman? Come on. What can she do? 90. But God was trying to teach him character. That whether she's 90 or 100, as long as she's your wife, you have an obligation to her. So what I'm hearing you say, sir, is that even though this guy is creating what appears right now as a problem, but your mindset will change to see the problem as an opportunity for God to show himself. And when we receive that mindset and take that approach, you'll be surprised that who you think is being your big enemy or opponent becomes your, good, your big ally. And that's what's going to happen in Jesus' name. Father, we receive wisdom from my brother by the power of your spirit, God, to address and deal with the situation so that what the enemy intended for evil, through the wisdom of God, we thank you for restoration, we bless your name for your blessings, and how, through the wisdom of this man, the young Deacon will be empowered.
and be equipped for greater works for God in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, the other questions, quickly. You have the mic here. Pass the mic, pass the mic, sir. Okay. Uh, my name is James. Um, yesterday, are, you, are you the boy of Jesus? <laughs> yesterday when I went home with the teaching that we had, um, we are having challenge with our daughter. She sucks a thumb. Okay. So um, when I went in with what we had about the way when you said that when you had this revelation, your attitude towards your wife changed. Yes. My wife has been treating our daughter in such a way that when she sees her sucking her thumb, she like bounce on her and would shout on her. But I wasn't loving the way that she has been treating her. So when I went home, I said, look, when I went to the conference, we were told that we have to be, we have to change the way we talk to this child. We should leave her with time. She will change by herself. Then my wife said, mm, I know, but uh, we, we, we study psychology at school, but the way she has behaved, I don't know. But when I told her that, she understood what I said. And this morning, the child started sucking her tongue. And I watched my wife. She looked. She looked at me, and she started laughing. <laughs> but realized that it's it's an opportunity for the child to explore and grow at their own pace. pace. Exactly. Not forcing her to do something she's not ready to do. Amen. And I I like that about what you said, and I extended it yesterday night. Thank Amen. you. Praise God. George, George has something. Um, mine has to do with the resolutions that needs to be made. Um, yesterday, I made um, a very um, serious um, um, statement has to do with the old generations, as in our fathers, yes. who had trained us from the Methodist Church, the Presby Church, and are giving us foundations that we are also using to train. Yes. And I realized that if right now, as you said, what has to continue to perpetuate, to, to do the same thing. Yeah. But just right now, as you said, what are some of the things that we need to do? I realized that bits and pieces, as we start changing from the ground, it will go up. Because as I'm here right now, I'm going to grow. Amen. I'm not going to remain like this. So what informs my way of thinking would affect how I grow to train others. Amen. So I have to love more. I have to hug more. I have to shake hands more. Because I've come to realize that with the fathers that we had, you can't even shake their hands. Uh -uh. You can't, you can't, I know some of them even before going to them, you have to write a letter. Uh -uh. It will be approved before you have an appointment to go and see them. But I realized that fatherly um, approach, as in hugging, holding, talking, shaking hands, breaks the ice. If there is a problem, we talk about it and we make headway. So to make more room for change, I need to love more. Amen. I need to hug more. Amen. I need to shake more. Okay, good. Simple things grow. Amen. Good. Thank George, that's very good. Let, let me just share something very quickly. I, I, I accept everything you said and I thank God for it. But in order for you to love more, do you know what has to happen? I'm asking you. Yes. What? To love. Yeah, but how do you love more? What needs to happen for you to love more? I have to change. I have to start loving myself okay. before. No, that's not correct. Okay. And I'm going to help you with that because that's very important. What you're saying is very, very good. First John 4, 19. Okay. We love God because he first loved, loved us. us. Okay. So if you want to increase your love output, 
you must first increase your love input. Do you understand what I just said? Yes, sir. You must ask God to give you a revelation of his love towards you. All of us right here now, we think, ah, oh, God loves us. You think you understand it. You have no idea. No, no idea. We have a superficial idea of how much God loves us. But even Paul says in Ephesians chapter 3 that we do not know the love of God that surpasses knowledge. Revelation. So what I'm saying, the love of God only comes to us by revelation. By revelation. So what I'm saying is every day, I do this, every day I'm praying for more revelation of God's love for me. Every single day. Because it's like, a, it's like a diamond. You can never mine it and just say, I have all the different angles. of it. No, 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 no. The love of God is forever evolving. Revealing. But the key here is, First John says to us, we love God because he first loved you. So if I lack the revelation of God's love for me, I cannot reciprocate. I only love God because I understand how he loves me. So if I want to increase the level of my love output, I must first increase the level of my love input. Father, help me to see your love. Thank you, Father God, for another dimension of your revelation of your love towards me today. Every day, you can never feel it. See, that's what I'm saying when you are in grace. Your prayer changes. If you go to church and you, you, they say you should lead prayer and you pray that prayer, everybody will go to sleep. You say, this guy is not praying. I pray, God, show me your love. What is that? How about the demons you're going to cast out? They're waiting for you to cause wizards and witches. And you're saying, God, show, show me your love. They, say, what? they fall asleep on you. Why? Because you've not been trained. But that's the fuel that drives the love of God. That's why the law is impotent. When they ask Jesus, what are the two greatest commandments of the law? No, in fact, what is the greatest commandment, commandment of the law? He said, love the Lord thy God with all of their heart. He was telling them to do something that was impossible. He knew it, but he was telling them that. Why? He was under the law. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart. Who can do that? All of your mind. All of your soul. All... Tell me who has ever done that. And then as if that is not enough, love thy neighbor as thyself. He just put a nail on the coffin. Bah, bah, bah. Close it up and die. <laughs> Nobody could do it until we see the revelation of God's love. And that's why Romans 5, 5 says, the love of God is being shed abroad in our hearts. It's like a mind that you must. So he places his love in your heart. But when he places that love in your heart, it's like a mind that you must now mine for the treasures that's in it for you to, to catch it. Do you understand that? So now on a daily basis, you need, or on a regular, you need to ask the Holy Spirit, sure, God, help me to understand your love. And so when you receive the wave of God's love, now you're equipped to give that away. But how can you give what you don't have? So do you see what I'm saying? To want to love more is a good goal. But the way you get there is you have to receive more. Amen? And, that, and that's something that is a lifetime exercise. You will never get to the place where, wow, I'm totally, completely full of all the love of God possible. No. No. Yes. Uh, uh, Papa, I think that what uh, George said concerning the fact that some uh, fathers are not, um, they don't greet 
they don't hug and all those things. I, I want to make a little bit of comment on that. You have been our father for the past years, and we see your humility. We see how you hug us. You, 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 you come down to our level for the past years. But notwithstanding, we still give you that reverence, that respect. There is no way I will be in Ghana that I will see your missed call, and I will not return it. There's no way you will instruct me, and I will not stop what I'm doing to respond to it. Sometime in this nation, sons, has be, uh, sons that are supposed to be boys are fathers. Hmm. And it's like you are wow. a father under a father. <laughs> so there is that thing there. So if the, the sons does not know how to also, um, I mean, appreciate, respect their fathers, he will, they will bring barriers. Yeah. Because uh, familiarity also creep in then uh, they begin to create protocol, unnecessary protocols. And so I want to encourage the sons also not to take advantage when uh, the fathers have come down to their level so that it will, it, it will I mean, uh, that, that, that favor or that grace will be obtained. Amen. Yeah. Point well taken. Praise God. Anybody else? As we're, as we're talking. Yes. Ah. Hey, my baby's brother, you're really firing today. Yeah. <laughs> yes. As we're talking, yes, the fresh and that kind of things. So uh, something is going on in Christendom, and I want you to address it. Every billboard you see, you see a picture of the bishop or the pastor. Where, which category should we put this one? Is it in the fresh or in the grace? <laughs> so that we can take it well. <laughs> oh my goodness! <laughs> that that one is above my pay grade. <laughs> it's. <laughs> it's beyond me to answer. Now, the, the, the simple fact is, I cannot answer that with a with a with a cookie cut answer. Cookie cut, and the reason is for that is, for some, they may be inspired to do so. For others, they are just copycats. So yeah, you know, I can, you know, that's, I don't know, I don't know. Yeah, Candy. Yes, give me the mic. Praise God. We've been learning a lot of things since we came. And we know definitely there is going to be a shift in our teaching, in our approach, even in our attitude and our behavior. And I could see that that change is taking place right now from the testimony and the comment that we're having. But there is this area that I wanted to address, uh, which is very, very important. This area, especially we that are in the missionary circle, and that works mostly among the heathens, the unbelievers, those who really understand the gospel. And in doing so, we also go into, we minister deliverance. And we believe that deliverance is also a major ministry that Jesus committed to our hands. Uh, from experience, even sometimes, among believers who might not really understand or discover their identity or know their rights or their, their, what, who they are in Christ Jesus, sometimes we still see manifestation of demonic oppression, which we minister to them and they get delivered. With this new thing, I know it's an empowerment. This is what Jesus, I just believed, moving to the ministry of deliverance. I did not, nobody taught me. I just relieved, this is what Jesus, I just believed. And I do it. And I do it with his. I have no legalism on how to do deliverance. And I don't think about 
this is how you have to do it. It's whatever I feel and the Lord laid in my heart and I've seen results. Then I know that in some territory, we also encounter spiritual warfare, territorial powers. Then we're talking about a place, you know, when you, this message of grace or this dynamics of grace that we're talking about, we know we are progressing in it. And that's why I said there's going to be a lot of shift, even in our thinking. But I wanted to balance it to deliverance, to spiritual warfare. Paul says, we are not fighting against flesh and blood, but against principalities and power. And when he was addressing, he was addressing us as believers. Because when it comes to legalism, you begin to see man as if we are fighting with man. And again, that's why we go into extreme. We talk about calling down fire and everything. I wanted to strike this balance on how do we bring in deliverance and spiritual warfare. I understand the teaching. I'm still going to go back and ruminate on it because all that you are teaching, we need we that works in the rural area on the remote, we have to break it down to their level. And we trust God for the wisdom to do it because that is the changes I was telling you. I said, this is what we've been fighting for well over two decades to bring in a new dimension of understanding to God's word, especially in a place that is religiously bound and into all kinds of witchcrafts, all kinds of things they believe in. You have to give them something before they could believe. So I wanted to just throw some light on how we can walk in this light so we will not be castigated or will not be termed as uh, it's like uh, you are also going into the extreme. Uh, okay, sir. Well, thanks. Thanks for that submission. Now, there is nothing that's happening now that did not happen in the book of Acts. Are we in agreement on that? There is no, I mean, Paul went to, uh, where, where was this place? In Acts 17. Uh, what's the name of the place called again? Let me, let me get my Bible. There were those guys the, that worshipped Diana, the, Diana, the goddess of Diana at Ephesus. I mean, so everything we are dealing with today already happened. Solomon said it best. There's nothing new under the sun. So I'm more comfortable. Eh? I'm more comfortable to always allow the scriptures to be the to be the um, the guide. Yeah, we yeah, are just the uh, Eropegos in Act, Act 17, verse 22. Then Paul stood in the midst of the Eropegos and said, "Men of Athens, are perceiving all things, you are very religious. For I was passing through." And considering the objects of your worship, I even find an altar with this inscription to the unknown God. So the point here is, okay, yeah, let me read it. Uh, Therefore, the one whom you worship without knowing, him I will proclaim to you. So it goes on. So the point here is, shrines, altars, false worship, pagan worship, all of that existed before now. And are still going on. So the question then is, how did Paul minister among those people? What did he do? What did he do? The silversmith for Diana. Where is that? Uh, what, what, what passage is that in Acts? I believe, oh, yeah, chapter 19. 
okay? Yeah, yeah chapter 19, from verses 21 through uh, 41, actually. The point I'm making is this. The gospel is the gospel. And where it is proclaimed in faith by the power of the Holy Spirit, it should bring the same result. With religious objects, I'm not subscribing. That when I get into a place, a rural area, with religious objects and shrines and principalities, that that means now I must do certain things to make anything happen. If Jesus don't do it, I cannot do it. So I'm not sure exactly what you are defining about balance. So maybe you can help me break that down further. But my understanding of the scripture is that I can pray in the name of Jesus and command the principalities to be subject to that name. And whoever or whatever is binding the people of God to lose them and let them go. And according to the examples I've seen in scripture, it is not a nine-hour prayer. It, it, it isn't. Now, if I go there with the mindset that it's going to be nine hours, then I must prepare for nine hours. But everything I've seen in scripture has been very clear-cut. Very, very clear-cut. Elemas the sorcerer was, in, was interfering with Paul in, in sharing to, to King Agrippa. He said, be blind for a season. One sentence. Did it happen? Yes. Acts 19. He didn't sit down there and try to fight with the demon and, and they wrestle on the ground. Africans like drama. That's the bottom line. Now, are there times when, you be, when the, the exercise may appear to be more laborious? Perhaps. Perhaps. So what I'm saying is, we should not make the exception the rule. Do, do you understand what I'm saying? My mindset right now is believing that I'm going to go in that situation, trusting the power of the... Now, that's if God sent me there to begin with. So I don't presume to go somewhere that God did not send me and expect for God to show up. Because God is not my messenger. Do you guys understand that? Yes, sir. But God's having sent you, he sends you with the ammunition you need to get a job done. Uh, and no flesh shall glory in what God does. Yeah. Uh, anyway, yeah, I can tell you some stories, but I won't go there. Yes. Oh, you have, okay, you, yes. Yeah. Receive here yesterday, but grace. Yesterday we were discussing about uh, the teaching that we received here yesterday, but grace. Yeah. And Pastor Bolan said it takes the grace of God to understand this teaching of grace. Hallelujah. And uh, just like you taught us this afternoon that uh, Abraham saw his wife Sarah as a barrier to. Uh, the promise of God. And that was why he heeded the voice of his wife. In Genesis chapter number 16. Uh, the same Abraham. In Romans chapter number 4. The Bible said that. He, he, he believeth. And he hoped in God. Even in contrary to hope. He still hoped. And uh, the Bible said that. He, he did not consider. The deadness of his own body. Nor the. 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 the, the uh, the, I mean, he did not consider the weakness of his own body, nor the deadness of Sarah's womb. Correct. Correct. 
So how, how did how did he now see that as a barrier to God's promise? That is very you, very sir. good, very very good. And you have already made the point that I'm trying to make. Let me let me let me let me help you say that. Remember, I said to you guys, maybe yesterday, maybe even earlier today, God never defines us on the reality of where we are. Never. Whenever you read God's commentary about his people, it's always from the high and lofty. Always. <laughs> what you said is true. In spite of the challenges and the weaknesses and the, and the lie and the, uh, and, and, and the doubt of Abraham, God says he never wavered. I'm saying he wavered, but God says he never did. Do you see the difference? So if I'm looking at my wife, I say, she didn't do this, she didn't do that. Ah, God. God said, no, that's not true. Because God never sees you from your negative. He sees you from the positive, God's testimony, work of Christ. So what you read in Romans 4 is God's testimony about Abraham. And you should take that as how God testifies about you. Even in your weakness. Gideon, I told you yesterday, was hiding from the Midianites. Threshing wheat in a wine press. Something that is not done. But when God came to him, he said, mighty man of valor. What was mighty about what he was doing? <laughs> if they gave a certificate for cowards, Gideon would have gotten it. But God said, you are a mighty man of valor. Let that help you understand how God, what God thinks about you. Whilst you are saying, I've failed, I've fallen short, I didn't make it, God said, you have exceeded every expectation. I'm glad you made my point for me. That's the way God sees us. Through and in Christ. So his testimony can be nothing else other than that you are perfect. You are complete. You are holy. You are good. And it now wants me and you on the earth to line up with what he sees in heaven. So that his will shall be done on earth as it is in heaven. How does that happen? Alignment. When I see my brother, for me to see him the way God sees him. That's how his will Gets done on earth as it is in heaven. Yeah. Thank you very much for helping me make my point. Let me get a handshake. <laughs> Do you guys understand what, it, what the point we just made here? Big point. Very big point. Yes. Give me the mic. I'm so excited uh, before the Lord to be here. I'm too excited. It's like fire is shut up in my bow today. And they said that my son uh, that told me, uh, I think it was Prince, they came here yesterday, and they said that somebody is preaching the narrow way. And somebody is preaching grace. Why I was so excited is that I have a personal testimony 
that gave me the revelation of disgrace that saved my soul. At the age of 21 in England, I was born in England. At the age of 21, me and my wife, we pastored our first church in a very racist community. That church went on to be a completely white congregation. It was unheard of in my time. But while I, after about three years of pastoring, I realized, I read a scripture that taught about these men coming before God and saying, we did this in your name, we did that in your name, we did this in your name. And then God said to them, depart from me, ye that work lawlessness. These were people that were prophesying, and I was prophesying. These people were preaching, I was preaching. Casting out demons, I was doing that. A very powerful ministry. And for the first time, I was fearful. And I understood that where would I be fearful if the love of God is in me? I questioned myself. It led to me laying down the church and exploring God afresh. Coming out of religion and exploring God. This is what the revelation left me to. I came to Ghana some 12 years ago just searching for the truth, the gospel. As I was here, I found myself in things that I would never feel or even dream in my nightmare I could even do. I ended up running strip clubs here in Ghana, Spintex Road, Tops and Tails. I mean, I was running that place, Vienna City. I was running that place from pasta to strip club manager. I was, now, I was now involved in all kinds of profanities. I have 11 children with my wife, one wife. I, 11, seven boys and four girls. I had, I had 11 children by the time I was 31. By the and four girls with my wife, pastor. By the time I was 31, I already had my 11 children, seven boys and four girls with my wife, with my wife Pauline, she was 30 at the time. Yeah. <laughs> this one was both law and grace. <laughs> this one was both law and grace. Knowing that I knew God, I would cry. I was so impassioned about Christ when I was coming up to find myself in this place. I said that, how can I now turn to this God after I've fallen? And you know, all of this happened by me falling one time in this country. It was just one time where me and my wife was going through something and a woman came to me and said she, she didn't have somewhere to stay. She stayed in my in my apartment and I stayed in the room. She came in in the morning. When I woke up, somebody was on me, touching me. By that time, I didn't know where I was left or right. I'm not saying I didn't do it, I did it. But I'm saying there were mitigating circumstances. And after that one time, I could not forgive myself. And it took me 10 years to find the grace of God I remember flying back to England in a hotel room. And God was saying, Cyrus, don't you know I love you? What is your problem? Talk to me. And I put my, my hands in my ears. And I says, I can't listen to you. I can't listen to you. How can you love me? And I drank a whole bottle of vodka to drown the sound of my father. Not knowing that actually my father had delivered me already from all the sins I could ever committed, and that I was already a son, 
and that what God was doing in me is forming in me a dependence on him, taking me from my independent life to a dependence on his grace because nothing that I could do would be good enough for him. What Pastor Bank is saying, he's had a revelation. I, I can smell it all over him. The same thing that has happened to me has happened to him. This is not a normal thing. You know, the, you, you don't know who this man is. He has met something. You know, the Bible says that the kingdom of God is like a man that went into a field and he found a treasure. And for the joy, when I found out that sin had no power over me and that the grace of God had delivered me from the law of sin and death. You see, in Ghana, if I do the law of smoking ganja, because of the law of, of Ghana, when I smoke ganja, they will put me in prison. But if I go to some states in America, that same ganja, when I smoke it, they will just walk past and smile because there is no law over ganja in America, but there's law of ganja. In, in Ghana. But now God has delivered me from the law of sin and death so that I can get to know him in the newness of the spirit. So now it is no longer I that is trying to live to prove myself before God, but it's now Christ that is now living in me. So now, now that I have that, when I, when I meet here, over the last one year, I've been meeting people that have had this revelation and I'm running. There are many people coming to the Lord now and being liberated by the message of grace. I'm here to confirm, Pastor Bank, that what God is doing for you and doing in you is the most powerful thing. And there's going to be a move of God that will break the traditions and the religions of the old schools that we have been taught. And God is going to return us back to the landmarks, the old landmarks. You see, it's really amazing that a Adam was given a law, but then Noah, the Bible says that he found faith. So, so one second, one was given a law, but Noah found grace in the sight of the Lord. Abraham found faith, and then Moses now came and brought law, only to, to bring out those that will be born of the Spirit and not born of the flesh. There are many Hagers in the city, but there are some Sarahs that are called by the Spirit of God. I want to say that what he is saying is true. Overcoming, all of having the addiction of sex. Now I'm finding that I'm overcoming all of my, my, my weaknesses. The thing that stopped me was that the power of God in me. I learned to love God and to know God without the law. So when I talk to one apostle and I say to him that if I slept with a thousand women, I now know I will go to heaven. He says, lie, lie. I says, the reason why you are a wicked man is that I know that if the law was removed from you, you will go straight to that woman. But when the law was removed from me, I went straight to Christ. That's the difference between me and you. I am born of the Spirit. You are born of the law. The day will declare it. Pastor Bank, the Lord is doing something. The message that you are bringing here is a message of revelation. It's a revolution that is happening. It's been there. But we have been blinded to it. But now that the Lord is raising up champions of grace, 
those that will say that this is my gospel because it was given to me and I contain it and hold it. Nobody can take this gospel from me. Who can separate me from the love of God? Can Satan, can sin, can the law, nothing can separate me from the love of God. It is the power of salvation to anyone that believes. And if anybody preaches another gospel, whether it be an angel, whether it be a bishop, whether it be an archbishop, whether it be your denomination, let that person be a curse. I'm here to protect the gospel of Jesus Christ and the gospel of grace. Pastor Bank, the Lord is using you in a mighty way. I am your partner. Just worship Jesus, just worship Jesus, just worship Jesus. Yes, Jesus loves me. 
Thank you for listening to this message. You can reach Pastor Bank on Facebook at Pastor Bank Akimola, on Instagram at Bank Akimola, on Twitter at Pastor Bank. Stay blessed. We can overflow with purpose in mind. You say to